0: to speak to the things you want me to speak, and the things I don't need to speak about then, just don't don't let those come up. And I pray, God, that you would have our hearts be open uh, to what your word says and to what you say, not to what, what I say, but what you say through me. I pray uh, for our church, God, as we uh, come to this fall and we, we think about uh, just reaching out and the, the need is urgent and that there's there's much harvest that needs to be done and so we're thankful for uh, what you're going to do and what you've done already in the past. But God, we, we are more concerned about people that don't know you now than ever before. So God, just uh, let us be a people that are based on you and nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're starting a, a series. I'm going to kind of take off from last week, but it, uh, we're going to talk for the next three or four weeks about worship And uh, if you know anything about that, it generally uh, tends to, uh, when people do that, you either really enjoy it because you're a worshiper or you're a person who goes, yuck, (laughs) I don't know if I want to even be here for that. So, uh, But we're not just going to talk about music. We're not just going to talk about uh, coming and having people lead us in worship and songs and stuff like that. We're going to talk about some different aspects of it. Uh, Today, our story is going to come from 2 Chronicles, and so if you want to turn there, you can do that, but there's going to be plenty up on the board. Um, And so we're going to talk about today, uh, let's talk about worship that's the overall theme, and today we're going to talk about, are you going to worry or are you going to worship? Are you going to worry or are you going to worship? I think this will be apropos for some of you here today. You ever had one of those days when nothing ever goes right? Yeah, me too. It seems like every single thing that you do just goes wrong, and you look back and say, oh, maybe I just need to go to bed, go back to bed and, and just kind of cancel this day out. If you've ever had a day like that, if you felt a little overwhelmed or you can't shut your mind off or you feel just so stressed out at you're in the end of your rope, you really have two alternatives. And those alternatives are is to worry or to worship. It reminds me of the story I heard. It's an old-fashioned story. It's a story about a king. And he had many subjects that would come in his kingdom and they would come and be put before him. And he had this criminal come who had committed a a pretty bad crime. And because uh, that's what criminals do, you know, they do bad things. And so they were brought before the king. And the king had this habit of saying to them, I'm going to hang you. And so, or you have the alternative to, there's a door over there. And it was a scary, dungeony, dusty, gross-looking door. And he said, I'm going to hang you. Or you can go through that door. Which one will you take? The criminal and all the people before him had always chose the rope because that dungeon looked even scarier than the rope. What was going to be on the other side of that that door? And so the, the, the criminal that was standing before the king said, I'll take the noose. And so he said, okay. And so he put him up on the noose and got him all ready to hang. And The, 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 the criminal says to the, the king, he says, well, um, just, you know, I, I'm not going to tell anybody. So what's behind that door over there? What, what is that? And the king laughed and said, you know, it's funny. I offer everybody the same choice. Everybody always picks the rope. So said the criminal, tell me. <laughs> what's behind the door? Uh, and he said, well... Um, it's funny. Right behind that door, you know what it is? Your freedom. If you would have taken it, you could have walked past that door and you would have gone out and you, you wouldn't have had to, to hang today. I love that story because it illustrates that we have the power to choose to overcome fear, but often we don't. Often we don't. We, we have the power to overcome stress. And when we're stressed out, and when we're worried and we're filled with anxiety, we have the choice to not choose the noose. But a lot of us, we, it, the door is right there. The door is right there. But it's a little scary because we're not sure what's there. So today, as Jesus people, we're going to talk about what does it look like to worry or to worship. You're going to do one or the other, every one of us. Everyone in here, you're, you're going to choose to worry or you're going to choose to worship? Now here's here's a verse that most Christians love to hate. It's going to come up. It's uh, Philippians, uh, and we, you've, you could quote this, every one of you that know anything about the Bible at all. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Very, very good verse. Christians really do love to hate that verse because we, we say, yeah, but... Yeah, but, yeah, but. So you have two alternatives, church. You have two alternatives, friends. You're going to worry, or you're going to worship. And you have to decide this very day, which are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the noose, or are you going to choose the door, the scary door? Most people, when I say the worship, they think of the word music, as I said a little bit earlier. We think of like, you know, first we're going to have worship, and then we're going to have communion, and then somebody's going to pray, and then somebody's, you know, that, that's what worship is. That's where that time when you sing, that's not what we're going to talk about today. The Bible tells us to worship God continually. It tells us that we, our job as, as Jesus' people is to, to follow him in, in, in everything that we do is an act of worship. Everything that we do during the day, everything we do during the evening is an act of worship. That's why it's important what comes out of our mouth. That's why it's important what goes into our eyes because everything we do is an act of worship. The Bible tells us that we are to worship the Lord every day, all day long. Second Chronicles 20 says uh, we're going to find this, this story <clears throat> that's very interesting story i haven't i don't know that i've ever spoken about it before and it's a story about a king named jehoshaphat jehoshaphat is a kind of an unusual guy he's unusual from the num, from the one thing is he has a name that's hard to pronounce so today i'm going to call him jfat okay everybody just say along with me <laughs> jfat ready jfat so i won't screw it up jfat so we're going to talk about jfat here's jfat's issue Japhat was a uh, was an incredible man of God. He loved God. He was the fourth king of Judah. He was a man who loved to know what God wanted him to do, and he wanted to do it. I want to be like Japhat, and I hope you want to be like Japhat too. And so we're going to learn today and next week some things I believe that you can take to the bank. We're going to I split this story up into two weeks, and so I'm going to take this story of and Today I'm going to kind of leave you hanging. So you got to come back next week, okay? You got to come back, and we're gonna we're gonna split this this passage up a little bit. So he, here's the story of, that we're gonna we're gonna see in, uh, in Second Chronicles. He's 35 years old. He lasts his reign lasts 25 years. He goes 25 years for being serving the Lord. He's known as a king who wants God more than he wants. He cares what people say or do, and so all the surrounding nations start getting bugged at him because he's prospering a little bit. His kingdom is doing some good things, and so they start coming against him. So today in our story, he gets word that there's two or three other kingdoms that are coming after him, and they're coming after to get what he's got. And that's where King Jehoshaphat or Japhat stands this morning. So Japhat loves God he, he worships the Lord. He cares more about what God says than anything else. And we're going to find today in this story that worship matters. That worship matters that when you worry, when there's a extenuating circumstance, when there's stress, when something is really coming against you, the best thing you can do is to worship the Lord. Before we actually look at this story, I want you to Thinking in your mind today, so just just stick with me here. For, don't don't check out. I want you to to think about something in your life, a, a battle that you're facing, a stressor that, that's coming at you. Some of you are going to school, that's a stressor. Some of you got your kids going back to school, that's a stressor. Uh, some of you, that's good. Some of you, who knows? But you're you've got stress in your life. You've got worry in your life, and you're here today and you brought that monstrosity with you. Okay, what was it? You got it? Okay. Because if you're going to do these things, this story that Jefat teaches us, there's six things he's going to teach us, three this week and three next week. And these three things I want you to really grasp onto, and I want you to say, I want this to be part of who I am as I move in to this fall As I move into this next season of my life, because I believe that God has some big things for the people that are sitting in these seats and the people that are at home watching today. I believe that God wants more for you than you want for yourself. Some of you don't want very much for yourself. You're just trying to get by. You're just trying to to get through. God wants something way more for you than you want for yourself. And if it doesn't begin with this, I'm going to worship when the big storms come or the things come, you're going to worry. And worry stops you from doing the very thing that God has intended for you to do. That's so vitally important today. So let's, let's go into these three things that we're going to see from J-Fat's life today. The first thing we're going to see from, from JFAT is uh, what happens, what do you do when you get overwhelmed? It's this. You ask God for help. You ask God for help and when I do this, let me say it again. When I do this, I worship Him and I don't worship me. What do you mean by that, Jeff? You see, when you start to worry, you start to play God. When you begin to stress, you begin to say, what can I do about it? What can I throw at it? What can I do? And and so in essence, what you're doing is you're saying, I value me more than he. I value me more than he. And so we're going to see today in the story of j before you do anything else, Before you do anything else, you go directly to God. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You go directly to God first. Look at the screen. It says this. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mennonites. okay, these three warring nations coming at him, want to get his till, want to come because he's been prospering, he's been doing good things. God's been taking care of him and it's a good deal. So these three nations come after him. He joined forces to make war on King Japhat. He received this intelligence report. Here it comes back from, his, from all of his people. A huge force is on its way beyond the Dead Sea to fight you. There is no time to waste. There's the problem. There's the stressor. There's the storm. <laughs> oh, no. Here it comes. What are we going to do? What am I going to do? What are we going to do, Ethel? What are we gonna do? Let's go on a little bit. You go to verse three. Next, next slide. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Okay, he's 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 got flesh and bones. He was afraid, so he decided to ask the Lord what to do. Notice that he was afraid. And he decided to ask the Lord what he was going to do. See, his first reaction, it was fear, just like yours, just like me. It is not unnormal to have fear come at you. It is not unnormal. It is not weird. It is not strange to have fear come at you and you go, oh, that's big. Oh, that's huge. What do you do? What do you do? This is the way Jehoshaphat feels. I'm afraid. And his first reaction was fear. That's normal. Your problem, church, your problem, JFAT, is not fear. Your problem is what you do with it. Let me say that again. Your problem is what you do with your fear. Fear is a good thing. Fear is a great thing. It's a motivator. It helps us do something that we should do first, but we've gotten out of the habit or we've not gotten into the habit. The first thing you do when you get in fear is you turn to God, not to yourself. Not that only was this such an important thing because Japheth is coming to a time in his life where he realizes God has blessed him incredibly to this point, and now the odds are overwhelming. Three nations are coming at me. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? That's what J- J-Fat did. That's what I want you to say every time, every time something happens. God, what do you want me to do? Would you say that with me? God, what do you want me to do? Let me try it again. Ready? Go what do you want me to do, God? Not, this is what I'm going to do, God. Would you please bless it? This is what I think I should do. This is how I should do that. Yes, 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 yes. Let's do this, God. No. <laughs> no. God, what do you want me to do? See, not only did Je- Jehoshaphat pray or Japhat prayed when he was overwhelmed, but he got other people to pray. Look at verses 3. Let- let's just read this. The it says the entire country of Judah united in seeking God's help. So he, he didn't just pray, he sought other people to pray. That's why we have a prayer chain. That's why some of you get 2011 texts this week. That's why we believe that, that when God's people get a need, a, a fear, a problem, they should do something about it. Not just, oh, did you know they were going through that? No. Pray about it. Do something with it. The whole nation united and said, "Jfat says we better pray, so let's pray. And they did. They did. And that's so important to understand. So we've got, we've got to see that you ask God for help. That's the first thing that Japhat did. Let's go to the next one. Next screen. Maybe. There we go. You believe God can handle your situation. You believe that he can take care of it. There's the problem where the mix comes. This is where the rubber hits the road. You've got to, if you don't believe that he can do anything about it, you're not going to do it, right? Right? Why, why, why do it? Why should I pray? He didn't answer. You've got to believe that he can handle your situation. Worship him and not your resources. Oh, I've got a a bank account, and it's a problem, so I'll just throw some money at it right away." See That's your resources, that's not what we're talking about. You trust God to handle it. You trust God first to handle it. You let Him take care of it, and not what you can do, not what you you and your posse can put together to do whatever it is you need to do. This is what JFAT does. Let's, let's read. I want, I want to read the, this whole section here. This is a prayer that, he, that he, uh, we're going to read uh, down to 8 and then go to the next, next page. Just read along with me. It's a long passage of Scripture. You can read it in your Bible or you can read it here. This version is probably a little easier to understand. It says this. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. and He said, Lord the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? So there's a question. Are you not the God who is in heaven? Aren't you that? Aren't you he? Yes. He's asking a rhetorical question. He knows. He knows the answer. Aren't you? <laughs> and so he, he says, you rule over the kings of the, uh, of the nations, power and might in your hand, and no one can withstand you. So he, he comes up, and he's not only cheerleading, he says, This is who our God is. Remember who our God is, church. I have to do that a lot to myself. And I pray you do that to yourself too. Remember who God is and was in your life, in the past. Remember what he's done. It's so important. He says this, our God did not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They have lived in it. They have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying this, if calamity comes upon us, here comes the calamity, here comes the problem, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. There's belief. He believed that that God who was there, who did it in the past, he's going to do it today. He's going to do it today. And he's showing the church. He's showing the nation. This is who we serve. Then he goes on. But now here's the problem. He's he's framing the problem. But now there are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Uh Oh, we made a mistake. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. This is ours, and these people that we didn't f- go far enough, they're coming after us. You gave this to us. This is ours. You gave me our life. You gave me the things that you got. These are my things. These are, this is who I am in Christ. That's what you've got to remind the devil. That's what you've got to remind yourself. This is who I am. This is who I am. I am God's. And he, and he goes on. Our God, we not judge him, for <laughs> we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. You've got to believe that God can handle your situation. Are you not the God in heaven? <laughs> you rule over the kingdoms of the nation with power. That's that's you. He, he he's stressed out. He's he's very upset. What are we gonna do? But he takes the eyes off the problem and he puts them on God. Because if you look at your problem, it's not good. It's not good. And there's a couple things, I think, the next, the next thing. So how do I start believing? How, 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 can, how can he do it? How do, how do I move towards really believing that God can do what he says he's going to do? Because that's what a lot of us, that's where we get stuck at. Because I know he does it for some other people, because there's people in the church that they get a healing. They get this. They get that. And I don't get it. Okay, what, what about me? Here's two things you can remind. Verse 6, he says, I remind myself of who God is. you got to remind yourself of who he is. Not for somebody else, who he is for you, what he's done for you, what he's given you, what he is about in your life. And then secondly, and most importantly, I remind myself of what God has done. The, the, all the past, all the things that, that happened yesterday, See, we we live in this world. I talked about this last week. We live in this world of what have you done for me lately? And if you haven't done anything for me lately, I'll go find somebody that will. Sadly and sorely, that's a bad way to live. There's no loyalty. And so we're not loyal to people. We're not loyal to teams. We're not loyal to stores. We're not loyal to restaurants. He messed me over once, I ain't going back, right? How many of you have done that? How many said that? You know, oh, they're terrible. I'm going in there again. Maybe it was a bad day. You don't know. You don't know. God, didn't you help the people in the past? Yeah, you did. See that how comforting that is? Instead of, man, I what can I do about it? Which is nothing, the same thing I did about the other 11 teen problems that I got. What? what about those? I I, I threw me at him and it didn't do much good either so after I've asked God for help I've reminded myself of who he is I come to the third part of our story today and then we're just about done Jfat confessed that he wasn't adequate he confessed his inadequacy this is where we got to we got to start, church. Worship his ability, not yours. Your ability is bupkis. It's about this much. Remember who gave it to you to start with. He's got all ability. He's got all resources. He knows that your, your deal was going to happen before it even happened. He knows what's going to happen, and he's got his eyes on the prize. And the prize is for you to bring him glory and to bring other people glory, and then to sit at his feet for all eternity, and to be in heaven with him. I was thinking about all the problems that I've ever had in my life, and I've had a few, just like some of you here, thought about all the challenges that I've faced. Every crisis, every conflict, every relational problem, most of my problems all come from relational stuff. Every financial problem I've ever faced. I realize they all have one thing in common. You know what that is? Me. <laughs> me. <laughs> me. Me Me. Me. <sighs> so before you start going and being upset with your dad or your mom, because they didn't do the right thing or they didn't do what they should have done or what they could have done or before you start griping about your coach or your teacher or your institution or whatever it is you want to talk about today realize that you're part of the problem and that's what JFAT understood <laughs> Lord I stand here before you and I have nothing we're inadequate I'm not enough but you are. Look at verse 12. I love it. Verse 12 says this. We have no power. We have no power. <laughs> what power do we have? We, we think we do. We have no power. So we ha- it has to start with confession. I don't know what to do, but I know God does. I don't know what I can do, but I know God can do it. Because listen, church, you have to humble yourself. To do this, because a lot of you are really good at a lot of things. Yesterday, in the last two days, I was amazed at the skill levels of our people, that people can just do things, and there's no things, and they just figure it out, and, and for me, I, I would bumble through it and cut my finger off and my head and, and everything else if I tried half of what they were doing, but the skill level that we have is incredible, and so what that does is it also creates a problem, because we begin to think that we can take care of ourselves. We begin to think that we got this. We begin to think if it's up to me, then it's it's gonna be. That's not how God intended for us to live this life. Because if you don't listen, listen, if you don't humble yourself now, God's gonna bring more opportunities for you to humble yourself. Sobering fact. Some of you are on the crazy train. Round and round and round. Same thing, expecting different results. You've tried it in jobs, and you go, boy, my my boss is horrible. And you go to the next job, my boss is horrible. The next job, my boss is horrible. Next job, my boss is, maybe it's not your boss. Maybe not. Why does God want you to humble yourself? Why is that so important, church? What's so important about humility? Well, of course he says in Peter, he reminds us he says this, God resists the proud. But listen, he gives grace to the humble. He gives what you don't deserve to the humble. That's a strong word. <laughs> he resists. If I brought Mark up here, Mark would probably push me over. I'd try to resist him. He's strong. But if I, could, if, I could, if I could resist him, that means that he pushes against us. I don't want God push. I don't want him resisting my pleas. I want him to give grace to me. I want him to give. and The only way that comes is I'm humble and I say, I am nothing without you, God. I'm nothing without you. The Bible tells us that great that 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 pride and that this not humility is a repellent. It repels God. It it pushes Him aside, and that's where some of you are, because you're not humble. You're not humble, and so today one of the things I'm going to encourage all of you to look at during ministry time is, are you humble? Do you take correction from God? Do you take correction from, from the Bible? Do you take correction or do you just say, that's not for me? <laughs> that's for somebody else. That law's for somebody else. That rule's for somebody else. Some other bucko, that's, that's for them. That's not for me. Confession is just telling God what he already knows. <laughs> God, I'm a slob. God, I'm a mess without you. God, the pieces in me are broken. They're all over the place. I don't know what to do about this or any other thing. So I'm coming to you and I'm asking, what do I do? What, What do you want me to do? And I'm humbling myself before you and I'm saying, God, you do what you want to do with me, not what I want to do with me, because what I want to do with me and what you want to do with me are usually two opposed things, and they don't go together. So let's, let's wrap it up. So when you feel overwhelmed, worship, immediately turn to God, ask him for help. Believe that he can help you, and then confess God, I I can't handle this on my own. (laughs) I need you every hour. I need you. Let's pray as the band comes. Jesus, I thank you for JFAT's story. It's a really pretty cool story about a guy who was broken and he turned to you. Anyway, he was leading his people and he felt inadequate. He knew he was inadequate and he confessed that. God help us.